it's clay and this episode is called the grime scene so i am going to talk about how i found out about the crime scene what role it played in my life you know how old i was the things that we did because i was part of that era so um let me think about when it first originally came about so we always had um hip-hop and i'm from north london and tottenham and um, I remember having a radio, you know, your parents give you them old school radios that has a speaker on either side that you could separate. And it was a cassette machine. <laughs> I'm kind of taking you back to my age a little bit. And um, I'd been, you know, working through the frequency of my radio. And I remember one day um, finding a really good channel, a station, sorry. And um, I remember them shouting out, pay as you go, pay as you go. And I was thinking, they're sick. It was like it felt like it was house, but another level of house. It felt a little bit more something like a vibe to a little bit slower, a little bit raw. It wasn't so much that happy dappy. It was a little bit just rawer. And I remember hearing the name Wiley, and um, I remember thinking, "Oh, this is sick! This is something new." You know, you're vibing to it, and it was so good. I remember I started to record it because back then, you know, you could hit the record button on your cassette, and you're pretty much recording the whole set. And I remember trying to save that station. You know, you used to get your tipex and strike a little mark on there to save the station, or you might have sellotaped it in place. Um, but I did end up changing the station and I ended up finding it um, probably like the following night. I remember thinking oh, around this time, yeah, yeah, let's vibe to it. And um, back then I was really close with, close with my cousin who lives in South London. We were like similar age, we were really close and we would always call each other on the latest update. So I remember calling her and saying to her, yeah, there's a new station I found. And I can't remember the dial now. And I was saying, they're called Paisley Gold Crew. <laughs> and she was like, okay, all right, I'm going to check it out. So we'd lock in. I remember coming back to me saying, yeah, yeah, they, they were good. And back then I believe we used to work, use the word um, heavy. And we used to update each other on <laughs> on slang words as well, but it was heavy. That so like, they're heavy. Um, so that's when I found out about Paige You Go Crew. I don't. I'm trying to remember what the names I heard entwined in it. I'm not sure if um if I heard Sharky, but I remember around that time it definitely was. Um, you know, Bushkin, Heartless Crew had definitely been around before that, and they were more of that. They were they were always that segue in between house and mellowing down into into the into the garage scene but they were more your urban feel do you know what i mean they're in the middle but still that happy music where this new thing i'd heard was a little bit more raw like i was saying so um then i also had a oh and how old was i then i think i might have been about 12 or so maybe 12 on the verge of 13 but i know i was about 12 for sure i remember being in the early part of secondary school and then I had a step, I have a stepbrother, sorry, who was just my brother. And he went to um, a school in East London. He was from East London. And um, he, he would come down, you know, every now and then. But then when he was in his early teens, because we we're a year apart, he would come down more frequently. And I remember telling him about it. He was like, yeah, yeah, I know about them, them people there. And that was obviously something that I picked up quite a bit in East London. And um, he then bought a cassette home one day. And I was like, listen to the song, tell me what you think about it. So I heard it, and what it was, um, well, what I learned to know who it was, was um, 
it was Dizzy Rascal, Sharky, I can't remember all the names now, but it was a Ready For War song that had been recorded. So they had recorded that in their school, my brother went to the same school as all them. So obviously they were not in their lessons. And um, this song was so different. So it wasn't like the stuff that I'd heard on a page you go crew. It wasn't like Heartless Crew. And, but this was just different. It was so much more rawer. Um, it was almost like London gangster music in a way, but but our new version of whatever this genre was to be called. And um, I just remember thinking it's sick. And as I listened to each of them, because I've always listened to music very critically because I, I've been rapping since the age of about eight or nine. Like I was called Dark Phoenix and my older brother who is a rapper, he was grooming me to be a rapper. <laughs> but I later on ended up um, being so passionate about making beats and songwriting and singing. So I listened to this music and I remember just thinking this Dizzy Rascal, I kept asking, who's that, who's that, and who's that person? And he, you know, just tell me all the names, oh, that's Dylan, or that's Dizzy Rascal, whatever, that's Sharky, they're there. And I remember thinking this Dizzy Rascal character's a star. He's, he's got presence. So his lyrics were not complex at all. And I was a snap for content, but his presence. And when he was saying a line, if there was um, a hook line to it, he was saying it, you know, with, with an exclamation mark. It made you listen. He was definitely the star of the show, I listened to it. Um, he was the highlight for sure. And I just remember thinking, this is just different. They're gonna blow, like this is good. And then I, um, we started then to hear a lot more about them because then they were doing um, sets, right? So they used to do the sets on the Heat FM, whatnot. And I'm sure they used to do a set on another station as well. I'm not sure if Deja, no, Deja. Yeah, Deja. People used to go on Deja Vu, which we pretty much call Deja for short. And I might be getting some of the order mixed up because I didn't write this down, I'm just freestyling what I'm going to say today. Um, anyway, so Heat FM was, was the station that they resided at the most. And I remember then those, those sets were becoming very popular. And it was a lot more people from East London that, that I would hear that from. So I definitely hear Pay As You Go, they were still going. Then later on, it was in, then here in the Heat FM, a little bit of Deja and Mystic. Mystic, I think, was a little splash here and there, but Deja and Heat, a lot from those two stations. In Tottenham, we didn't really have many MCs that were, you know, kind of, that were hot. Yeah, they weren't really as hot as the, the East London vibe was just different. So as this scene started to grow now, oh, there were so many more, so many more sick MCs. So... Then DWE started coming about. But I loved that from DWE, I could hear things like his rapping. You could tell he was a rapper first. And I remember on an odd occasion, they might throw in a rap beat and he would ride the rap beat. Sick, impeccable. You could tell he was a rapper because I grew up listening to rap. I was like, this guy, yo, like he can do rap and he can do grime. He was really, really good. So I was like, yeah, he's fire. So back then now, my brother will come down the one from East London, like every weekend, we'll just be listening to them. We started then emceeing, <laughs> so we're no longer aspiring rappers. We're just honest, you know, emceeing. We're just like, yeah, this is the way. Because the thing about the grime, the grime culture back then in the beginning when it was forming, it was almost like a for us, by us. You, you felt like you were just part of that culture. You understood everything that was going on, and we were from, we were just from that place and. It was something that we could have as our own. We weren't trying to be like an Americans. We weren't trying to be the house and garage 
you know people who are artists rather we were just was we were formulating something that was just raw and it was something that we were making and um even though a lot of it was very raw and yeah there was things like i'll bang your father out i was just discarded much later on um it just was that vibe yeah there was so much talent coming from that pot of grime and um so yeah heat fm was grinding with it now and that was really good it was raw um and then out of nowhere well for me anyway my cousin she did call me though and tell me about the so solid crew and i was like all right i'm gonna check it out and, I, and back then we had um mtv bass and then their videos started to come through a bit in time and they were they came with a whole another vibe so they were and i remember because my cousins knew them you know would see them at little parties and gatherings and whatnot and even their presence they had a little something like romeo in real life hot <laughs> but i was a little girl obviously for him but hot their video now so they just felt like so here we are with the east london lot vibes in lyrics songs fire and then so solid crew they had a bit more of a polished sound they were so much more polished they were clearly like the business side of things was very together they had a proper official video like they had a record label you name it and their whole vibe was still a bit of that garage element but they took it a bit more to the like the r&b sort of vibe on the side of it oh, i'm trying to comp compare it to something so if i compared it i would say so imagine dizzy rascals come out with i love you that was like a little bit like it was raw and it reminded me of what you might have got on maybe the west coast from like a two-pack right and then so solid crew reminded me of the east coast so we had diddy and you might have bought like the old school rhythms but it's made them funkier that's kind of what it reminded me of they had that feel good element nothing was super raw they had a couple of tunes i get me wrong but in the east london lot they just had raw it was just raw you know what i mean so um if i um take it back now so i was saying we had the likes of dw started coming through he was sick you could tell he was an older guy um the way you know when even when he come on the mic and all that he sounded like he was just well respected because remember back then we couldn't see anybody in the beginning it was just your radio frequency and you're tuning in and you just you you just know people now by voice that you know when a dw comes on the mic you know when it's dizzy you know when it's sharky you know you know when it's scratchy you know everyone's voice and um yeah that's how it was and then it started to grow but i think the biggest thing that started to come out now so when we used to go to raves and clubs these people now were the, were the headlines for the for the raves like we were we were getting ready to go out to clubs and if it wasn't like a bashman artist or something like that we were looking forward to going to see one of our grand MCs. i remember when they did a concert um pay as you go and that in, in brixton and it was like it was nuts <laughs> it was nuts people were going insane but when we go to the club club and these people will come on the mic it will it'll be insane club going crazy men fanning out <laughs> well back then it would have been you know teenage boys fanning out it was a big deal for us um and that club might have cost 10 pound to get in but they would when they touched mic or if you knew your favorite mc was going to be at a club you were there and at the time, the people that was the highlights, Dizzy Rascal was definitely, like, he was kind of one of the eight people. You want to see Dizzy. Um, Wiley, 
yeah he was definitely a top one as well dwe i remember going to some clubs where he was the high the highlight and people go absolutely insane those are the ones i remember being key ones at that particular point of time when it was really early days for sure it was about all about them and the heartless crew was still hot around that time as well so there might have been clubs where they were also one of the you know the highlights of the show and yeah you'll be you'll be hoping to catch their eye or you'll be you'll be screaming them lyrics till you need to go get a next drink from the bar it was nuts in a good good way because we had our own little local celebrities do you know what i'm saying and there was no social media to see what they were like in real life so apart from hearing them on the radio or hearing stories or knowing them from the ends when you saw them in the club it was like seeing another side of them now you're seeing them in person it was a really big deal so um then obviously the radio stations and stereo systems got a lot better on in time clearly when by the time they would have been you know doing the shows in person i remember i had a, um, a nice little sony new system with a cd player and whatnot that came much later on in life and um so my brother will come down every weekend brother from east london sorry if i'm jumbling this up and trying to remember everything as clear as i can and um we had been writing lyrics and we started off in a corny way in the very beginning because i used to have all these fisher price and talk boy these things you could record on we used to make our own show our own set <laughs> quote unquote but then it was just he and i and we were all right you know he had a really good presence and um we looked up to my older brother who rapped he was just sick he's probably we all say he's literally one of the best rappers we we know literally the best rapper we know outside of celebrities and um the best rapper we've heard in our life i know that sounds like a lot but he's so sick and um so we we had like a lot of uh we had we had someone to look up to so we kind of knew what we were doing <laughs> and then as the time went on now he would always every time he came down from east london bring us like tapes to hear or new sets he had or whatever he'd be telling us about because it was like east london was a hub in tottenham we didn't we just had rappers still so he would be bringing us back you know this story and there's someone new and the person's name this person's name is god's gift God's gift was wicked, by the way. Good green got good green. What do you say? Wood green got good green about me. He's got one 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 set I used to do, and it was so sick. And then his brother Crazy Titch came along later. So he would literally be telling us all the names of who's who, what party is London they're from, their lyrics. He'd be telling us everything. And then my cousin from South, she started coming down each weekend as well, because her and I would talk on the phone. Obviously, I'd go up to her, but we'd go to like our under 18 raves and but that was different that was more hip-hop r&b whatnot and um yeah she'll come down so all three of us now we used to do our own set because i had a karaoke machine and we would record um our sets we were we were pretty good you know we were pretty good and um i'm laughing because if i heard them now i know i would cringe and um so we'll do our set we're all pretty good we'll sit and write lyrics um my brother would bring all the, the latest beats sometimes i might record them from a set i heard on the radio and then we'll go over them record the set play it back we were in our element um and this went on for for months and i remember now the biggest change that came about which i would say was pinnacle in the grime in the grime story was when dizzy rascal came out with the i love you record so Dizzy, he was definitely the star boy. Let's not mistake it. And while he was, I think he's always played that godfather role, really. 
it's like he had all the talent he had all the beats and he was like it looked like he was just supporting whoever came up um but Dizzy Rascal was definitely a star boy had the presence had had everything going from himself so came out of I Love You and we would all go mad in the clubs whether it was you know at school on the radio at home wherever as soon as you would hear the opening part of that track and it would get wheel up one time two times and then when that beat drops yeah you're going insane and you can all i don't know for me or if anyone else can can feel this if they remember when you hear that beat drop it's like you can just remember in the first time you heard it and just where you were and what the vibe was like it was just a sick feeling and then for me now i had heard that song i don't know if everyone remembers when shelly's shelly's shoe shop used to be at the corner of um, oxford circus i think um it's now a lingerie shop it definitely wasn't where nighttime was i remember it was across the road on the corner shelly's shoe shop and i got in there as a teenager and um then i heard it was gone there i love you and i was like what and them days we used to, we used to do voice notes where we used to key in hash something another and send voice notes as my cousin in south london i remember hashtagging whatever going oh my gosh dizzy rascal i love you playing in shelly's like this is mad this is this is sick this is mad and um it was such an exciting feeling because it was like mainstream it was like sorry it's like underground had now had this presence that was so powerful to be playing in western shelly's shoe shop like that was a bit unheard of that was nuts because it was just something that was almost like basement music that we loved and understood so much and we knew it was sick but it's like dizzy took it to another level he's now playing in shelly's shoe shop that's like the equivalent now of i don't know who's underground now i'm not even sure he's underground now but it's like them playing in nighttown do you know what i mean it was just like it was like what that's one of the key shops everyone goes to so that was sick and then he just started coming with more and more songs and he did obviously get a record deal and his album was a little bit different when that dropped but the other um, MCs now started to come up and then they started to make these um ah what would you call them so we had um Lord of the Mics that had come up but there was um I think it started off in someone's basement it looked like I remember them going down the steps and they were sitting on the steps and they were battling against each other. And excuse me if I've got any of them, the titles wrong, but I know it was Lord of the Mics. And then they kind of went in segments like part one, part two. We started hearing more from the likes of Jammer. And Jammer had a cousin in Tottenham. So I think, I don't know if that's how the Tottenham Connect started coming up. But then I remember, I did remember a bit before that hearing about um, a Meridian crew and a Skepta and JME. I remember the name, well, the only Jamie I knew at the time was a person that had gone to my primary school and it turned out to be this Jamie. We didn't know each other like that, but I remember his face. And, um, yeah, I guess at the time in Tottenham, a lot of us probably didn't pay any attention because we just thought, well, East London are the dons of it. Like, they're the dons. <laughs> they're the ones that are bringing the fire. But then it wasn't until I heard one of these Lord of the Mics, right? I'm sure it was Lord. Yeah, it was Lord of the Mics. Because then it was Risky Rose that came out. But this song was definitely Lord of the Mics. And I had heard... So imagine the CDs going now. I'm getting ready for school at the time. I'm still going to school. And all I hear is... 
God forgive me for bust my nine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who's this? His voice just sounds like you could hear the passion in his voice. He just sounded so grimy. And I was like, nah. So I'm flicking through, I'm looking through the CD now, looking at the lineup, I'm just like, that's Skepta. This is a Skepta guy that everyone's, that they've been talking about in Tottenham. What? I just thought he was sick. I just thought, yeah, this guy, this guy, like he's got it. He's definitely got something. He's going to be big. Because I think before then, he was Skepta when he used to go and Heat FM. Because he started then going to Heat FM with his brother Jamie. I think they had Big H and... Um, what's the other guy's name? I only know him by his first name. I can't remember. But um, they they were used to go and Heat FM then after a while. And it was kind of good in a way. Because it's like Tottenham had a representation or North London rather um and then um yeah so it was good I was like okay he's got something because in the beginning I didn't pay attention I remember there was a guy that went to my school and he knew them that was us who he used to hang around with and he was like hmm no one wants to pay attention to them but I bet you're vibing to Skeptic's Beats though <laughs> you know when someone's kind of just like you don't, don't want to know about it but wait till later on and he was right because he were vibing to his beats. So when I... he It's like he used to be the guy skeptic that would have all the beats. And his brother and the friends would do the rapping and MC. And, and I thought they were okay. But then when I heard that God forgive, me, if not, God forgive me if I bust my nine. I was like, nah. Like, this guy's got something. He's the star of the show. Like, he's got something. Um, and then other stations started coming up. So then we started getting a little more digital, didn't we? Like, I remember wrapping up for school soon. I started getting more digital... And we had um, Axe FM. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting the name wrong, but I'm sure I'm right. Axe FM. And a friend of mine, she was just like, do you want to come and do a set down there? Like, all girls. So I was like, yeah. So that was a good way for me. I made, I was making beats at the time. I've been making beats for a couple of years. and um, But I had been secretly singing. So even though I, my brother was grooming me to be a rapper from the age of nine, um, and then we're doing the MCing thing. I was really shy. Like, even when I came up with my name, when I was rapping, I was Dark Phoenix back when I was nine. Quite ahead of our time. But I the name my brother gave to me. And he was Iceman. And this was like, if I was nine, this was like a, this was like before 1998. This was like the earlier part of the 90s that we had these names for ourselves. Um, and when I was becoming an MC, I was Lady Soul Cold. That was the name I came up for myself. I knew I wanted to be lady something because every time people would say woman or girl, I'd be like, I'm a lady. So there I am, at about, you know, 13 years old, calling myself Lady So Cold. So when we went on Axe FM now, I've been making lots of beats and um, I'd fallen in love with Aaliyah and her music. I already loved Brandy, Monica, all that, but I really loved the whole swag, everything about Aaliyah and I'd been singing. Um, I'd sung before rapping. But then I didn't realise that I wanted to be a singer. Um, so as I grew from my teenage years, it was all about singing for me. So I kind of let go a little bit of the emceeing I was doing, but I still vibed with it most definitely. And um, when we got into Axe FM, I had loads of beats. So I remember thinking, oh, I can bring some beats and it's the time to showcase them and stop being shy. Because <laughs> I used to sing. If people said sing, I'd just sing. But when it came to my beats, I was so precious. So um, we were going, at the time there was an, a North London uh, MCing crew, um, oh, the names are in my head and now it's gone, but I remember there being Cookie, 
there was Scorcher, there was Dollar. I think they said Dollar Dollar Last Man. Dollar Last Man. Um, I can't remember the rest of the names, man. I know there's more that I'm missing, but they were they were they had like a nice little buzz going. They were definitely representing for the North. They were starting to come up, um, and they would they would be they would. I think they went in a set after us. And I remember there was also Black the Ripper that was there as well, and he was good. He was really good. But I'd heard about him from someone from um, my old primary school. He was saying, oh, you got to hear about this um, Black the Ripper guy. Da, da, da. I was just like, yeah, you know, back then, is he as good as Dizzy, though? You know, is he as good as this one? He was like, nah, he's, he's got something good. So I remember seeing him there. And one day, I put my beat on, and I was just like, do you want to um, let me see over my beat? And he was like, yeah, all right. Like, he was just like, whatever. And then he read over the beat and I was thinking, that for me was my verification of, you know, do I understand, do I have this grime thing going when it comes to making beats? But he was really, really good. He saw, he had something special about him. He had an energy when he got on the mic. Um, and I thought Dollar was very good as well on Cookie, but Dollar had something, well, I don't know, when I heard him MC, he had something. So they were on the rise as well. Um, and they were pretty good. So as all these CDs now building up Risky Roads and all the mics, this grime thing is just growing. It's just growing, growing, growing. And then we had the likes of Kano that come up and Kano was, listen, Kano was fire. When Kano would come with that K-A on the mic and you should end all craziness, like wheel up straight away. He really had something special about him. Kano, I'd say, like, just, just his whole style, man. He had something special, man. It was really good. And he was another one that you couldn't wait to, like, if you go to a rave, you want to hear Kano, like, for definite. So then North London now are definitely starting to have some presence with, with Skepta after that. For me, personally, after God Forgive Me for Bust My Mind, North London for me on the map. Like, it was no longer just screaming all about North only, about East only. It was now screaming about some north as well like north london representing and we've got the guys up in um edmund as well they're doing a little sighting but then there's another crew that never i don't think they got enough recognition or maybe they didn't try hard enough um g-day jaws and then hammer and then one next guy in the crew as well and i thought they were good but g-day jaws for me he really really stood out. the first time i heard that cd of theirs. I remember I took it home and I played it on my parents' loud system in the front room. And I remember just thinking, who is this guy? I keep hearing this, this catchiness and that. And I realised it was this G-Day Jaws character. And I remember letting my, my older brother hear it. I was just like, he's got something special about him. Like, he's good. And he's just like, yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, his, his punchlines, like, his flow, like, his content, his down pat. And there was another guy in the crew as well called Hammer. And Hammer was very catchy. Like, I feel like he was quite popular already. He had that presence about him. He had this nice... What did he used to do? He used to just, yeah, hair, yeah, hair. And it was quite good. It was quite catchy. Everybody knew in North London. So it was nice that North London was starting to pick up our vibe. Do you know what I mean? We are starting to have our crew. So it was like South had a little something. Um, we had a little something in North. And obviously East was, for me, it's the hub of where it started. West London, people just started coming up out of West, but they started emerging a little bit later. Because a lot of people in West, they're a little bit like Tottenham in a sense, where it's a lot of hip hop, but they definitely started to come through with some people out of their ends. So um, as the time started to go on now, Dizzy Rascals finally come out of an album. 
before that we used to go to things like Eskimo dance and when that started to come out that was like another level I remember it was in um was it Scala or Scada an Eastland massive East London venue the venue was so big and it was in the middle of nowhere I remember we got you had to get a coach a little mini mini bus shuttle bus coach when they used to take you up there and that I remember that Eskimo dance was insane insane the girls just had to stand back because the guys would just go so insane the minute like a you know the Eskimo beat would come on that was definitely something that was a powerful time it changed the game again it's like when Dizzy came on the scene with his lyrics and his style changed the game a little bit then when the I love you changed the game DWE comes on the game steps up another notch then when right when Wiley dropped the Eskimo beat, it took the grime scene to a next level. It it just it just shifted it a little bit more. We were now like into something. It's like the future age of grime. It was very very just it was something you had to see in the vibe, being a part of the culture. It was it was wicked. That's all I would say. Like, there's no days that were, were good like that. Um, at all it was wicked. And then that happened now, and then you know you'd get the little still little um, what do we start back then little WAV files, <laughs> and um, Dizzy Rascal come with his album. The album wasn't quite respecting like I was saying, personally speaking. But I think that being such a hardcore Grime fan, it was expected to hear Grime all the way through. Obviously, he had a record deal, so there was some you know something for the popular popular scale of things to appease people. And that's when we started to see a little bit of a difference because there was that little beef that happened in Iron Apple, right? Or something like that, where there was a stabbing and whatnot. And then, um, then you saw Wiley and Dizzy disperse a bit. That's when I feel like the sounds from Tottenham got a little bit stronger. I feel like North London's got a little bit stronger. The Edmonton guys didn't continue very long, but the whole Meridian crew, they grew stronger. And then you would see the alliances where... You know, Dizzy started to do big collaborations and then Wiley started attaching himself to other crews. Um, I remember late, much later on, he then was with Skepta and whatnot and there was a Boy Better Know that had an expansion collab, which was really good. I feel like anyone that, that attached to Wiley, they definitely, I don't know, it's like they just boosted into the into the photosphere a little bit more. I don't know what it is. So DWE then he started to everyone started to form crews and there was a new general and crew. There's a lot of battles that would happen back and forth. So that I think that's what really was great about the grime scene. It was just the passion and the fun and the banner of the battling back and forth. I remember when Bashi, so imagine Bashi's is like a new MC coming up, and I'm sure he's from West. So remember I said West was a little bit late to the game with having like a big crew or having really hot MCs that will come out of there. So this Bashy character comes on board and he's the guy sucking a lollipop. That was his whole thing. He just was cool and calm, but he's going to attack somebody and you don't know who. And he's not scared to attack anybody. And he came for Wiley and it was like, what is coming for Wiley? Like, you, all right, everyone's got to tune in. And these days now there's someone that's recording these, um, what do you want to call them? Risky Rose maybe? I'm not remember, I can't remember what that was called if it was Lord of the Mic, you know. I think it might have been called something completely different, those sets. And um, then, yeah, you could have the DVD. 
and you go home and you or you go to your friend's house and you're sitting everyone's debating watching this thing and it was just it was all we talked about then you know you go to school or you're chatting to your cousins or my brothers what have you and we're talking about that it's all everyone in london is talking about bashi was that character though that was just he's gonna come for someone it was a very smart tactic it was almost like the the 50 cent tactic where you remember when he went for jay-z when you go for that top person and you're just like right i'm gonna i'm gonna eat off this and it was really bold but it gave him a good little run um and that's really how he made it i would say bashi made a really name really good name for himself and then he also um him and crazy titch they were back and forth back and forth but crazy titch was quite wild but i like that it was a good little it was a good little back and forth between them two it really was good because you want to know what someone gonna say next what's gonna happen next week it was good i loved it and then you started to hear of um other mcs at a battle but what i liked about all of it at the end of it is that you would see these people laugh and still chill there was still a brotherhood about all of it which i thought was really good on the other occasion it was really real beefs like they really didn't like each other but for the most part it was cool it was just like they were vibes they were they were just cool one another it was a brotherhood they rated each other you still see them doing the same clubs it was never nuts like that most of the time you would sit here or see or hear about them being attacked it was people that might have been you know at the club they performed at it was never them attacking each other it was a rarity to hear that which is what i would one thing i would say about it actually which i just come come to conclude and realize so yeah, that was really, really something to watch. And that was the highlight of the teenage days, watching those battles. I did once, I remember when, um, at the very beginning when, ooh, Dizzy Rascal's crew, um, which was Sharky and all that. I can't remember what they're called, but they were called now. When they done had their song Ready For War. I can't remember, I'm so sorry. It just slipped my mind. But they were on Heat FM doing their set. And I decided like, all right, am I going to do this emceeing thing or not? And I thought, I'm going to call in. I'm going to call in tonight. Because, you know, you can call in. Back then, you would, you would, they would give out their mobile number. You would call in. Um, and then you would say if you're saying. Because the radio was on at the same time, you had to leave the room. You had to turn the volume down to talk. <laughs> Otherwise, it would give back mad frequency. So I remember I had the radio on in my bedroom and I had it on record and I called the number up and I got through and they were like hello caller because I wanted to hear some MCs so I was like yeah I'm Dark Phoenix what did I say did I say I'm Dark Phoenix back then I can't remember what I called myself is it either Dark Phoenix or Lady Soul Cold and then I started to to to, to um, rap over the beat I don't know how I heard the beat I think I could hear it through the phone a little bit and then I got so nervous that I just hung the phone up. And they were like, oh, she was sick. Like, call her, call her, call back, call back. Oh, she was sick, call back. And I was just too nervous. I remember I was just like, you know, your adrenaline, your heart's just pumping. I was just like, no, I'm shy, I'm shy. I was so shy. So I never called back. And, and then as the time went on, like, say it's 10 minutes, half an hour, obviously I'm just like, yeah, I'm not calling back. I'm just too shy. Um, but they called out for a bit like call back um i didn't and that's how you used to communicate with them you literally would like text in on the number that they gave you or you were calling if you were brave and you know drop a little mc lyric or just told them how wicked they are and i, I love that because then you could just literally connect and it was just other kids other kids 
it wasn't like um two different generations and then um yeah the clubs we went to were, were awesome they were wicked they were just fire and then we started to have a whole breed of MCs come up slowly and then we started to go into the digital age and I think that's where some of the old school ones did not transfer so I don't feel like Dizzy really transferred to digital age that much and obviously he had gone off and he was doing like a solo career oh and we can't forget when Kano had his solo career and he started to emerge and never forget that video of him in ghetto um and that that video was wicked i remember going this is yeah this this video is fire yeah he's he's doing something different so he almost came with a bit of a mainstream sound but it still was gritty and it was just different it just was different i couldn't even have said it was pop it was not pop and ghetto when he came out or ghetto he he had that really raw aggressive style um you couldn't ignore him you couldn't and he was wild he just seemed like he had a wild presence about him. you just like oh my gosh this guy but we know it is he was passionate i think he was so passionate that when he was starting seeing he just was the adrenaline was just going in him like he used to look you know hot and then he's just going um but he was good he was good I didn't, I, I guess, I think though he'd become so much better with time. Now, hearing him now, he's so good. Like, he he really is his flow. Everything is on point. And I feel like it's been nice to watch the journey of these people grow as well. And you see the formulate. So when Kano's album came out, he had that video with Ghetto. It was really different. It was very unique at the time. And then Kano's album came out. And even though it wasn't a full grime album, I think we, we knew not to expect things like that anymore. Especially when Miss Dynamite had come out of her album and she was doing the whole So Solid. It seemed very grime. And then her album was nothing like it. So I think we stopped expecting. We were just like, oh, let's wait and see. Um, but when Kano's album came out, it was a nice, eclectic mix of... He had... I love him, um, P's and Q's one of my favorite songs ever um i don't know what it just does something to me and the guy that made it i'm sure his name's da vinci i remember once i think we were on uh myspace i remember like oh i make beats he was like i make beats he's like what have you done i'm like what are you done he was like p's and q's and i was like oh because <laughs> that was sick like i love that song now come on, i'd put that on the earphones on loud jump on a bus go to college that was that was it for me and um that was definitely an anthem for Kano. Then he had like his brown eye song. He had a lot of nice little mixes. And back then, Iron Apple was a big deal for our generation. So, you know, going back and forth, those are those songs everyone was playing, whether it be a remix version. It was a big deal, man. And indeed, I believe, even though he was like the older guy um, that, that had all the talent, like I said, he was very respected. He, I remember being in college, he was pumping out some tunes. I don't even know what some of them are called. Like, there's one where I just called it, I remember just titling it, Check This Motherfuckers, because that was the first line. And that's what I called the, the, the file that I put into my, um, what did I have back then? I didn't have an iPod. I think I had something like a Sony something or another, because I remember it, had, it held more data. And I remember we had WAV, WAV files at the time or, or something like that. Some big files. And I just been thinking, I'm, I'm going to have this because I can put all my songs on there. Um, he came up with so many songs that were just fire fire after fire after fire in a good way 
and it brought people together. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember connecting and making friends through our love of grime. And if you were a female and, and you knew the depth of grime like I did, it just was like, I used to make so many male friends. Like after a while, them trying to chat me up, they'd be just like, nah, like, she, she's down. She understands this whole grime scene. Like, she's, nah, okay. She, we, we can't trick her with stuff. She's just down. Um, that was a really, really good time. I made so many good friends off the back of that. And that was how it, the scene pretty much was. I'm hoping I'm giving a good picture. I feel like I'm missing out so many things. I probably haven't mentioned much about the swag and whatnot. But in the beginning, when we was able to... Before we could see them, say it was just a radio, they were just wearing regular tracksuits. There was no glamour whatsoever. Like I was saying, the only time we saw glamour come about, to be honest with you, was literally when So So Your Crew came out. The only other time I saw some freshness was when I saw DWE wearing one of them dad hats at a club. And he just looked swag. You could tell he was an older guy for us. Like, no, I'm not saying he was old, but he was not like a, a 17 year old. Like, he might have been like early 20s. So he dressed, you know what I mean? He was fresh. And then, you know, things that were fresh for us younger ones would have been the new era caps, like a nice, you know, fresh new one. Maybe we're matching trainers, the TNs. Um, that would have been our fresh swag, like a fresh tracksuit. I think at the time I used to wear a lot of rockerwear tracksuits. I might have had like a red rockerwear tracksuit. I wear my red new era. And when the cap with the eyes came out on top, I was the first one in my college to have that cap. Because you know what it is? I should have been at college that day, I remember. And I decided to go with green to go and buy stuff. And um, I went through this shop that I used to have that had all new era caps and I said what's new and he showed me on the eyes I said yeah I want that I said I'm coming today he's like yeah just got I said yeah let me take that so when I come in everyone's like where you get that cap from what we ain't seen that one I was just like yeah you can't touch this and I think I had that on with um like matching tracksuit bottoms that was black and white as well and then um yeah I was the first one in my college and my boyfriend at the time was like let me borrow that hat I said no because <laughs> he used to like to stay fresh as well but I want to be fresher than him. And so, so suddenly so definitely brought in glitz and glam. And then later on, it got a bit more swaggier, but it definitely is a culture where everyone is just themselves or they were themselves. Cause I think it's evolved now. I think now it's a bit more showy. It got, you know, I think people started to follow a little bit of the American way much later on in time, but a true grime artist, they're just about being themselves. And I think that was the beauty of Grime as well. No one was trying to like. If anyone wants to up somebody, it was verbally. It was verbally like I'm gonna done you with lyrics. That's how I'm gonna shine. That's how I'm gonna outshine you. Whereas it's so easy to put on like a flashy watch and a flashy outfit and try to outdo somebody. But back then it was all lyrical. It was all lyrical. Who's champ today? Who's champ tomorrow? Um, and that was the beauty of it. So yeah, that's what I can remember about the good old grime days. If I remember any more, I'll probably do it with someone, bring them on and we'll talk back to back and I'll structure it out. But this is just me literally just speaking on top of my dome. And uh, I have to add this because how could I forget? So Rough Squad rough squad were something special and different they also took 
grime to another direction to another direction so they started to so why they made beats right as well and a rust squad were making their beats as well and they had songs and the songs were, were good when they were touch mic it was just like another oh another vibe rough squad were definitely something that was big as well and they were not something some you know something that came around much later on they were there rather early pretty much the very beginning but they were a big deal i would love to know if they'd ever do something now because they were also very ahead of their time they were very very ahead of their time i remember many years later back in maybe 2014 buying a rough squad um instrumental cd and for me that was vintage so imagine back then they were so ahead of their time and everything still sounds current now today i would never say this sounds like you know old it's timeless music rough squad and then tinty strider almost well not almost he pretty much took the place of dizzy rascal as the golden boy um as the young one raw ready he had that tings and boots line that was the line when you heard that you got mad little tinchy he's gonna just hot the place up i don't know i don't know how i could forget them they were a massive chunk they were a big deal ross quad hey sorry i'm getting excited <laughs> all right what i'm gonna do is next time i'm gonna come on i think with a friend of mine he's not really a talky talky person for recording but he and i i know we could go back and forth for a good hour and a little bit on the in-depth grime because that's how we kind of became friends through our love of music but the detail of the grime scene <laughs> so we'll do that thanks for listening